Alright, welcome to uh, We Love Stuff. I am Matt, and I'm here with... Bob. We'll My name's with. Bob. Bob, how are you doing today? I'm doing outstanding. So this is the, uh, this is the first of, hopefully, many, many shows to come. Uh, we don't know what we're doing, but... Bob has assured me that. <laughs> that sounds great. We don't know what we're doing. Yeah, we, we don't know what we're doing, but we're going to figure it out. And hopefully uh, you guys will be here for the ride. It's a pretty generic title. We love stuff, but we want to encompass everything about entertainment. We do love stuff. Um, it's going to be everything. We love we stuff. So we could talk stuff. stuff. Like it could be, we could have an entire episode devoted to like... Socks. <laughs> I do love socks. I, I love socks. Socks are fun. But Although I lose all my socks, literally lose them all. That, I feel like that that just happens all the time. Well, like, when you have three younger brothers as well, that kind of kills it because well, <laughs> I'll have like a we'll have a family Christmas and this I'll, is an we'll amazing each, first episode. You know, by <laughs> yeah. We'll each get like ten pairs of socks and I'll end up having like one pair by the end of it. By all the parties are over and everything. And then. They, they somehow I now living by myself I understand like I, I kind of understand how holes get in socks because I, when I was younger I just kind of was like you have socks they don't have holes in them and then they do but what I've realized is the more you wear socks and the more you clean them they eventually start to tear if you don't get it deteriorate yes. yes as anything yes. would yeah so like we said, we love stuff, and so, we're gonna, yeah, we're, stuff includes socks and all. Yeah, so um, we were talking. I was talking to Bob about Noah, let's the new hear, movie let's, Noah. Let's hear about it because I am a fan of Darren Aronofsky. I like, I enjoyed Pie, loved Requiem for a Dream. The Fountain was Pie. How long ago was Pie? Pie was probably. Probably, I wish we had, we're going to have to get an assistant who can wiki all this, but I want to say... Assistant. Yeah, I want to say 96, so we're talking... I can picture the front of the cover, but I can't... Wow, that's almost 20 years ago, so... (laughs) Wow. But that was 96, and I know Requiem was 2000, The Fountain was maybe 2003, then he did The Wrestler, then he did... Black Swan. So this is his follow-up to Black Swan. He's got a big budget. He's got the names. He's been, along with his, like, progressively getting better at getting more money to do the films, he's been progressively doing better in his films. Right. So you, you, what, what, what was this about? People know the story. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily compare the amount of money that he's given from the studio to how good the movie is. I don't I guess that didn't sound right, but he nailed it with the, with the amount of like they were expecting a lot. Obviously, with I think 150 million was the budget. Oh, that that's that was and that's definitely like his biggest budget. Oh yeah, by far. By far. I, think, I can't remember what the wrestler was, but I, I, say, I think Black Swan was like four million. Four. I think four. I mean, four he makes, is yeah, like he makes, nothing. He makes movies for not a lot. Of this money. is the end. Was forty. Yeah, and that that's that's a typical. Budget. I mean, that's a little. I yeah, I remember Rogan and uh, Evan. They were saying how they were very impressed at just the fact that they got forty million, let alone one hundred and fifty. Yeah. So this is like. But yeah, new... that one fifty go, just goes into how powerful this movie is in terms of like the CGI and the big time graphics. 
I mean, you got to see it in IMAX to get the literally the they they call it the IMAX experience, but you literally need to see it in That's, IMAX to get the full experience. Well, I was gonna go see it, and my qualm is with Russell Crowe. I don't. I I I despise the man, and that was actually the reason. <laughs> you don't you know, know, man. You remember last week? I was ready to go, and then. I had this situation where I was like, do I want to stick around? Do I want to be with Russell Crowe for two hours? Whether it's in 2D, 3D, or God forbid if he was in my fucking living room. <laughs> but I don't, I can't stand the man. And there are actors. First of all, it could have been, it could be way worse than two hours. It could have been. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> two hours is actually a somewhat tolerable. I'm sure the studio cut it at two hours. Yeah. A lot of studios do, especially okay. when they have a lot of money involved in it. Two hours, yeah, usually is about the time that normal dramas come in. But he probably shot... I wouldn't be surprised at when DVDs or Blu-rays come out that they'll be like two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour The Town uh, by Ben Affleck. I, I love that movie. That came out, and it was like almost three hours long, yeah. the extended cut, and... You know, Ben Affleck was forced to cut it all the way down to two hours because the studio basically put it well, the line of audiences' attention span at two hours. Say, it comes down to accessibility, like, right? And I would I would think that producing a movie like that, um, you know, going into it like before they actually shoot it, if they're shooting that much, it's gonna cost, it's gonna bring the budget up. So I know the longest movie ever like that was. Uh, Apocalypse Now, I think there's the Redux that's out, and Coppola, that's his definitive version. I don't even think he likes just the Apocalypse Now that came out in the theaters originally. He only stands by the Redux, and the Redux is like fucking three and a half hours long, and yeah, that's, that's, that's too long of a movie. And, and I love that movie. That's one of That's one of my favorite movies, but that's not a movie... That you can just sit down and watch whenever it's not. Yeah. It's not comfort food, so to speak. Well, that that makes me think of what you know. I texted you not too long ago about Dances with Wolves. Right. Like that movie is just long. Yeah. Well, like I, even I, cut down, it was three hours long in the theaters when it originally came out in 1990, and they came out with a fully extended edition that is. Four hours long. It's four days long, actually. <laughs> it's it's really insane. Well, speaking of wolves, I just recently watched that. Uh, what was it? Wolf of Wall Street, and it didn't do much for me. I, I mean, everything. It's, expectations uh, were high. I was gonna say all the stars align. I mean, Scorsese, DiCaprio, Jonah Hill. I thought was actually. I was telling you that I thought Jonah Hill acted the shit out of that. He really impressed me. It wasn't. I felt like in Moneyball, he. It was just. Look, it's Jonah Hill, like the fat comedian guy, and he's doing a serious role, so let's yeah. applaud him. Whereas Wolf of Wall Street, I actually saw his acting chops. I was I was impressed. I was really impressed by him. Yeah, that, well, this movie was the first time Jonah actually got a chance to like do something like wacky. Yeah, it like was... a totally different role. And yeah, I guess you're right. He did nail it more than more. Like everyone's saying that Leo got like like snubbed again. He, like, he will, he, and he will. He, That's just kind yeah, of what the Academy not, does. He now. didn't deserve the award. No, I haven't seen Dallas Buyers Club yet. But just like if you're literally just looking like at physical appearances, like the Academy loves 
They love when actors go gay. They love when actors do a period yeah, piece. Yeah, like the transvestite. And, and they love when actors lose or gain weight. You know, right. Charlize Theron won for Monster when she played that serial killer and she gained like 150 pounds yeah. and was ugly. Matthew McConaughey lost like a reported something ridiculous, like 60, 70 pounds. So I need to see that. I'm a little behind with the whole My Oscar brother things. actually just asked me to download that movie. I, I got to get that on and... Download. Watch you mean that. you mean purchase it, right? Oh yeah, Pur- purchase it. Purchase it. Yeah, we don't. We're nothing illegal here. Nope. But we were talking about the Academy Awards. I love this. This is what April third. We're we're a little behind. April fourth. Uh, the the Academy Awards were about a month ago, and we're still getting caught up there. But I feel like with the Academy Awards that the the best pictures itself aren't necessarily always the best picture I, the actor comment the actor uh categories usually are in sync and they usually are the best actors but with the best movies it's like i feel like it's studios lobbying for what it's like who spends the most money and is going to get nominated like i mean argo was a decent it was it was an okay film last year but I don't know if I would put it as best film. I could probably name five, ten different films from last year that were better. Yeah, I was waiting for a spot to jump in there, and I did not like Argo whatsoever. I know I've told you that before. I mean, it literally just felt like, oh, we got them, we're out, see ya. Yeah, that's... that will be done. That that's kind of what it was. It was like the yeah. That I mean, (laughs) it's a simple way of putting it. It was like we were presented with a problem... The problem occurs on screen, the problem ends, movie over. Yeah. But in the same sense, when it's based on a true story, there's not that much... You yeah, there's really... not much wiggle room. Yeah, But there's... still, I was, I, I don't know, just a dull... To me, that was almost like a dull movie that... And then I see it win Best Picture, and I just, it just frustrated me. I can't remember what, what, mo- what movies got snubbed ahead or behind it. <sighs> I mean, we're looking at last year, so yeah, I don't this really is, remember. This is where uh, Assistant Agent Farnsworth yeah, we, would... Yeah, we need that right now. But bring it back to Noah. Oh, yeah. Noah, yeah. Noah's current. We're not, we're not fucking talking about last year. <laughs> so, Noah. So, you're asking me what I thought about it. Yeah. I, well, I'll give it a letter grade. And A- minus A- minus. is mine. A- minus. Yeah. That's almost like... Yep. That's, that's... But that's on the Bob Boyd scale. What is that? <laughs> it's what a very that? wacky scale. Yeah, I was like, because you know, I mean, there's A-. variables in there that you don't even know of. A minus could be like a Pulp Fiction or like a Godfather, or right. so like you're you're already. But the, I've already. I guess I have to express my concern about this now because I've told you this that I look at movies as separate entities, okay. like trying not to compare them to others, just. As if no other movie ever existed. It's just that singular experience. Yes. So, like, you have no context of movies before. Right. You're just going in blind. Going in blind. You've never been into a cinema. Everything is new to you. Yes. Why do we eat popcorn in the theater? Right. Everything's new. Everything. So, A-. minus. So, yeah, A-. minus, And most of that goes into the IMAX experience. The IMAX is what really brought the grade up. 
I think you're working for the IMAX company right now. Ooh. <laughs> you know? But I'm not, well, it was my first experience, like, going in, the, I keep using the word experience. I know, that's what, it's like, there's, like, corporate synergy going on right here. You're just like, well, the IMAX experience, the IMAX experience, the IMAX experience, join the IMAX experience. Yeah, there'll be a bunch of links at the end of the show <laughs> that you can sign up for the IMAX experience club, and it's going to be fantastic, but... I'll talk about my IMAX experience. I've had two IMAX experiences, and they both sucked dick. Like, well, they were in the first row, weren't they? Yeah, they were. I went to go see Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I believe, 2005, 2006. Two? two, two you two. bring up two? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's... that's did I, I said Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You were talking about Willy Wonka. Oh, yeah, Factory. right. <laughs> I'm talking about the Tim Horton... Or the Tim Horton. <laughs> the Tim Burton... Now you're fucking me all up. I'm talking about the Tim Burton version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. My IMAX experience. I was in the front row in a handicapped spot, and it was horrific. The screen is too large when you're in the front row... Having to turn my head left and right, fuck the IMAX experience. I saw, then I saw the Dark Knight Rises, same thing, front row, had to move my head left, right, left, right, left, right, up, down, too loud. Left, right, A, B, A, B, start, I, Contra, I did not like it. I did not have a good IMAX experience. I gotta, I gotta jump in there and I gotta say that I, I saw Dark Knight Rises um, we were me and my little brother were a little late going into it, but they they walked us right into literally the last two seats, and they were the front row, two, middle two seats, and it it was tolerable, I guess. But, but I was basically how my IMAX experience. Yes, that's not the experience you should what have was, as a first. So time. that's what I want. I go. got there. And me and my brother got there a little early. It was a noon show during the week, so, okay. or actually on Friday, the opening day. So I kind of assumed that you know crowds would come later, and but there's still maybe some. So I went a little early, and we had the pick of the litter. We had the pick of any seat we wanted. So, so I literally like Googled in there what is the best seat for an IMAX because you're also paying like what seventeen, eighteen dollars. Yeah, and. Uh, I was like, you know what, screw it. I, we, we just went to the last row, middle two seats. I actually even counted the seats to find the exact middle. Right. No left, right, not, no turning your head, no... Right. No, just, just like, my view You're was, immersed into yeah, the screen. Yeah, I was immersed into the screen. And you don't even realize it until... Because when the first previews are up, like, not the actual previews, like the Regal previews... Correct, yeah. They're like half the screen so you don't really even notice yeah. until like the lights dim and then it's like whoa and then there's like a dramatic unveil yeah, yeah yeah and the most surprising thing is the sound like the 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 size of the screen it's gigantic but it's nothing compared to the sound from the IMAX like it actually kind of made me go whoa yeah and that's what i mean the size of the screen and the sound with the effect. I wish I would have seen gravity in IMAX. Now I'm going to ask you: Was Noah in 3D? It was not. It I was, guess okay. I guess they are turning it into a 3D. Yeah. But when it was first released, it was not in 3D. I know the the those post conversions though are never good. If yeah. You, if I you want to go see a 3D yep. movie, you want to see it when it's shot in 3D. I was just going to say that. Uh, I, I think it was. Uh, 
there was some I know Gravity was shot in 3D and yeah. I heard that was amazing I don't IMAX think in 3D like you can't go wrong with that I don't think any other you can correct me I don't think any other movie has done the new HFR high frame rate other than The Hobbit, I don't think I don't. It's like Peter had, Jackson's thing. Yeah, I think I know. I I know that he's a big champion of that, and I don't think there has been many of that. But that was very impressive. Yeah, that's what I heard. I heard it's a completely different experience. Because I've seen a 3D movie. I'm We're geeking out. Tell them what we're actually talking about. A normal frame rate has 24 frames per second. Yes, and. So when you're looking at a movie, you're seeing, if you want to break it down, you're obviously seeing things in motion and moving. But if you were to break it down... It's the amount of frames per second that your eye is calculating. But normal movies are shot 24 frames per second. So it's 24 stills, you know, pictures make one second of the film. And now, when when you stay at that standard frame rate, and you're switching to three dimensional and using these glasses, you have problems of headaches and... Like being nauseous or whatever symptom that people have been complaining about. I even I've had headaches in past three D movies and taking the glasses off. I know it's oh, but when I saw The Hobbit in HFR high frame rate, which is forty eight, which is I believe it's twice the amount. It's double the amount. Yeah, Um, it was it seemed so smooth. I was gonna say smooth. It would seem like it was like I was watching a regular. Like it was almost as if I didn't even have the glasses on. Wow. Yeah, and it was it was awesome. It was well, it was noticeable. Yeah, so I guess that's doing it doing its job enough. We'll see because I mean, movie studios need. There's uh, put it this way: people are always going to go to a movies. I know there's there's grumblings of people saying, "Oh, the movie theater itself is going to die out, and everything's going to become video on demand." Yeah, and people aren't going to well, go. It, I believe we're already there. I, but I mean, I love going to the movies. Well, just that's the fact what I, of going. I'm, I'm saying. It, that act of going to a movie theater and sitting down and watching it with the community, I don't think is ever going to die. That it, it, it is no, I won't. Things are coming to us quicker, faster. And smaller devices, but I think the act of going to see a movie in a theater with other people, that tradition's never going to die. The thing is, that movie studios are going, realistically, they're going to have to entice people to get there. They're going to have to entice people because of the price and just the features. Why am I going to pay, you know, $10, $12 to go see Noah? in the theaters when in two months I can watch it on my tablet. So they're gonna there's exactly. gonna have to be things that the movie studios do to make people just get there. You know, I know yeah. theaters have been improving. I know it's become this trendy thing in big cities where theaters are now offering like real food, like full menus and and beer and and liquor. Oh and, yeah, Regals and already and better seats, like reclining seats and like couches. So that's a way to entice people to get there. But I think the actual filmmakers, I think there's going to be some improvements. Whether it's that forty eight frames per second or smoothing out the uh, you know. 3D. Well, the high frame rate is definitely a you know, a, I guess you can say a Peter Jackson tactic at. You know, improving the audience, improving the entertainment value of you were the production. Say experience, value. weren't you? No, yeah. I was not going to say experience, <laughs> but 
he's I, I guess you could say he's taking it upon himself to try to improve the experience right but there there's some filmmakers who can like change the entire like landscape of filmmaking like James Cameron like prior to Avatar even though I hated hated <laughs> hated hated that movie prior to Avatar there were 3D films but nothing had come out like that you know before yeah, that, right. that I, I did see it in the theaters and I did see it in 3D and even though I hated the movie I hated the plot I hated the acting I hated everything about it the 3D itself was very impressive and it wasn't like the old school 3D that you would think where you know someone's got a slingshot and you yep. know throws it into the like audience. a bugs flying it, at you it was it was literally like you were watching a movie just in three dimensions yeah. you know like in the most simplest terms it's like it was it's more like you were there there's some 3d movies where it's almost just like kind of like fooling on your depth perception right and that's like a almost like a cheap way of like pulling you in and the, the avatar wasn't like that like you can see it like you said like a larger scale larger picture so maybe Peter Jackson will champion that 48 frames per second. Who knows, five years from now, that could be the standard yeah. norm. And Hopefully it is the standard because I really enjoyed it. That's it was it was like it's like watching, just sitting and watching a regular movie, but you're watching it in 3D. Right. That's interesting. It's that fluent and that smooth. Well, it's crazy to think, though, that going back onto that point where like things are coming to us so much faster at home that... Theater owners right now are like scared shitless. Oh yeah. Because, well, they've been. Yeah, you know, and the only thing we can really do with it to combat it is, you know, just the prices. You're just gonna have to constantly jack up prices. But they really don't know what to do because things are just coming home to us so quickly. And when I say home, I mean whether it's a video game device, whether it's a tablet, whether it's a phone. Everything is coming to us so much quicker. You know, even television is becoming obsolete live television you know yeah like no well, one has everything's to, at your fingertips you don't have to tune in live anymore if it weren't for sporting events most people wouldn't need your basic cable you have your hulu you have your netflix i i, I live without cable basically i mean and I, it's kindle right phone anything i have at my fingertips right and it's like it goes down to like what would you rather do like i i've been telling you off the air that you know you you watched the office you know the comedy on NBC you watched the office for the last 8 or 9 years you're watching it as it happened yeah whereas i've been binging on it and i've been able to watch you know 3 4 5 years worth of material in the matter of weeks yeah and, and to me that's that goes into the reason why i think i will and do love the show more than you do because right. I had more of a emotional attachment to it. Well, that's that's it was a longer. B, I was watching it with more people at the time. My family, my friends, yeah. like I had other people to bounce all the jokes off of, and that's why I love the show. Well, but it, you're gonna have a lesser experience of the show because of binging on it. That's that's what I was gonna bring up. Like, what are the advantages and disadvantages of binging? And I think a disadvantage of that is. That when you are binging on these shows, you almost get so wrapped up and just watch the next one, watch the next one, watch the next one. Where yep. I, I have watched, you know, essentially four years of this program in the matter of a week or two, and I'm still who's that guy? What's his name? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, you, whereas you, when I watched it, you know, 
you'd have weeks and weeks and weeks and to sulk all these jokes in and learn about all these people. Right. You get you get you definitely don't get that experience of sitting with it and wait where yeah. I think, you know Which made sorry, I'm jumping in, but which made Season seven of The Office, like Goodbye Michael, the episode. Now season made that episode so more. It's like when you watch that, I feel season like, seven. Sorry, what what season is that? How many seasons were in a show? I, I don't know. Are you talking mean. about? I'm talking about The Office, right? You said Goodbye Michael. Is that the last episode? Goodbye Michael is the third last episode of season seven. That, but it's Michael's last. How many episode. seasons of the entire series, though? There's. There's nine seasons okay, in the entire so, series. All right, all right, yeah. So Michael leaves at the end of seven. Okay. So there's two seasons without him. Okay, yeah. See, these are things that people who haven't watched it, I don't know. You know, yeah. I was like, but I Michael, watched it. But at that about? point, I was watching it for seven years. You know, I grown to obviously love the character Michael Scott. Right. Michael Scarn. Yeah. But <laughs> and when it was goodbye, Michael, I was like, oh shit! It was more emotional. Like, I, you're not going to have that. Years no. and years of emotional attachment to him. No, I'm going to watch it, and then I'm just going to roll on to the next one. Yep. You know, which, yeah, like, there, there's disadvantages and advantages. Like, I think serialized TV, you know, like, you're lost, or you're Breaking Bad, or you're Mad Men, it, you know, it's it's fun to watch those really quick, because, you know, I had watched some of those shows while they were happening, and it's fun lingering week to week with them. But I can see, you know, it got frustrating as a viewer sometimes. I see why people, I understand why people binge is what I'm saying. I, I get. Well, it's there for, it's the, the opportunity is there for you, first of all. Right. But I do understand why people do just, you know, sit on it. I know people were breaking bad even, you know two, three years ago, it just ended this year in 2013. I know people in 2010 who just said, I'm going to wait till it ends and yeah. just watch it all on Netflix. It's I, actually I get, like becoming a slogan, like, oh, I'll Netflix it. Yeah, I'll just wait, you know. And, and TV shows now, I, I mean, at least I think TV shows in the TV industry is starting to understand that people really don't watch television live. Even, you know... It's rare for someone to tune in exactly at, you know, 8 o'clock on a Tuesday, you know. Scheduled TV is pretty much dead. That's why I like that <laughs> House of Cards with on Netflix. There's going to be a, a lot more shows, and I think within five, six, seven years, I think television is almost going to be all like that, where they're just going to dump 10, 12 episodes, bam, do that once a year. Because yeah. that's how people are watching it, it you know. Sense. And they still get the advertisement money. They still get the subscription money. I would I would be surprised if television isn't like that and within the next decade where there's just a certain amount of episodes. They're dumped onto whatever platform. It doesn't have to necessarily be Netflix. You know, yeah. NBC mm -hmm. could have their own, you know, device or they could have their own system of delivering content to viewers, but it's just going to... Even if they dump them at four or five at a time, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I guess branching off that, bringing in, I'll bring it back to Noah. You don't want to bring it back <clears throat> to Socks? <laughs> Actually, I would love to bring it back to Socks. What right. else you got to bring? We might do that. That might be the after <laughs> podcast podcast. Oh, I see. Okay. But uh, I guess we're we're, we're on the topic of like how we bring, how we, how the studios bring people in and 
the reason I went to go see Noah is because of the intrigue, you know, the, I'm trying to think of the word, what, I'm I'll, lost, I'll, I'll cut out of this out, but yeah, Aronofsky, like, just him, just the, his name got me to the theater. Oh, right. I'm yeah. trying to think of how I could say it right, but just knowing that it was him, right. knowing that it was going to be some... Well, it's like... like he, not even knowing what it's going to be like, because he's so eccentric with right. his movie tape. Like, well, he's like in a tour, in, in, the, in the true sense of the word, yeah. where you see... Some directors have that. You know, I would say uh, Aronofsky has it, Scorsese has it, Tarantino, Wes Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson, yeah. maybe even David O. Russell. There are certain directors where you can be watching it within within shit, man. Within a minute, you know it's their film. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the plot is, who the actors are. They just have such a singular voice that you know what it is. And and Aranafeski really has that. And I mean. I'm surprised that I, I didn't leap out to see it because I've been reading about it for like you know two three years. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't want to see it. He's either, one of my favorite directors, but it really does come down to like I don't fucking like Russell Crowe. I know, and I do. <laughs> and, and guess what? I'll, this is what I'll say: I'll Netflix it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I'll I'll wait. And nowadays, like the turnaround from when movies come out to theaters until they come onto one of our devices. It's silly how quick it is. It, it, it will be out on DVD or Blu-ray. Oh yeah, it's gonna be in out soon. Three months. You yeah. know what I mean? So I can wait for that. I don't see Gladiator is one of my favorite movies of all time. And so Maximus Decimus Meridius, he's it's for me it was going to see him and Aronofsky. Yeah, see like, that I just I to to each his own. Yeah. Well, the wrestler, you know, that portrayed a professional wrestler as well, like, after his prime, as well as Aronofsky could. Right. And you could say the same as Black Swan, you know, going into the mind of a ballet dancer. Or, yeah. I think I got that right. Um, but that's Aronofsky's thing, is diving into the world of whatever topic he's discussing. Right, right. Now, in Noah, his, this world is the beginning of time biblical so him try to picture if this story actually did exist if right. a human genocide happened which i'm glad you're not uh, like a crazy bible thumper and you're oh, like yeah, yes no, the no. the earth four thousand years ago the earth really was uh uh you know flooded and some man with a stick brought uh, all that is straight up fiction yeah yeah so like but i get what you're saying he it, i'm saying it's fiction so Think if a human genocide actually did happen, yeah. and a flood of this magnitude Worldwide. actually did happen, where all the humans, humanity was was wept clean, yeah, swept clean. How would that actually be? Right. And Aronofsky, you know, you're I thought he did that it. pretty you well. Are, you're selling it pretty well, and I didn't even think about that with him in terms of director. Where that is kind of his thing. Where. He picks a subject and he just dives right into it. Like yeah, Requiem for a Dream, he went into junkies yep. and people with drug problems, and he really, you know, you got a sense of what it was like to be a heroin addict. Like 
and with everything too not not just the acting but like with the cinematography and the dialogue obviously and the lighting and the score he just sucks you right in and i'm i'm curious to see he has uh he has a composer friend that does all his scores clint clint manzel i believe he he did the wrestler he did black swan he did the super famous theme and the score for uh, Requiem for a Dream. You've heard that. Yeah. It, that that score, that theme has been everywhere after that. I, I'm I'm curious as if he did the uh, Noah, you know, I, score. I'm pretty sure he did. He probably did. Yeah, he, yeah, I remember seeing it. But yeah, I mean, even in terms of like seeing he portrayed the beginning of time very well is, you know, it's just dirt. Right. Like, it's not like there were flowers or, like, you know, and then, like, when he's building the ark, it's not like he ordered a bunch of wood from 84 Lumber and started building more the ark. more of a Lowe's guy. <laughs> yeah, he had his Lowe's card. Yeah. So. But, it, you know, he straight up made it from trees. Right. And God made the trees, and it, it, it was it was cool. Do I they do they uh, do they touch a lot on like the re- is it, is it preachy? Is it, it the religious aspect it's of it? It's not all? preachy as much as it's just kind of following. It's it's right on with the Bible. Okay. I know enough about the story, and right. enough about the Bible to know that it was right along with right. Because whether you think about it or not, it's still that is still a story. It right. just happens to be in this book that's very important yeah. for and you know all of humanity. I don't know enough about it from the Bible, but supposedly it's like really vague. Right, the story's really vague, and so it's open for interpretation. In the movie, did he actually take two of every animal? Yes, were there dinosaurs? as far as insects, dinosaurs? Oh yeah, there was dinosaurs. So so this movie was I'm not. not only- this this movie was it, so it was almost like a little Jurassic Park in there. Was there raptors? You know what? You know, you know I'm I'm hearing this tone. And I don't like it. <laughs> you know, like I would go see it if you're it, starting it, to get a little condescending tone. It, in your if, voice. If, if it became like you know like Jurassic Park, I could handle. I think I could handle Russell Crowe if he was in a Jurassic Park type movie but no really now you're being a dick no but so they they he did bring animals onto the yes like was, insects and everything it, and it was almost like a if you build it they will come right type thing he started building it and god just influxed all the animals in there another thing that i was worried about I mean, though, but when they say two of everything it was two of everything everything like, and they had like a line in there where noah was like all the insects and all the creepies and all the crawlers of yeah. this world are coming with us. See, to me, though, like, I was afraid with that, like, seeing that sequence and then seeing the flood and then seeing, like, Noah steer or just be on the flood or whatever. I was just worried that it was just going to be super-duper CGI, like, just an over saturated influx of CGI, which I can't stand CGI movies. <laughs> I know it has to be done. I understand I, that, you know, CGI in certain places, it makes sense. And there's certain things that you can't get away with. They need to be CGI. But, like, I hope, and I would think that him as a director, he would use, you know, like real rain machines and real animals as much as he could. Right. But I just don't want, you know, Noah just behind a fucking green screen for two hours. Yeah, I don't think it was that. I mean,. There were definitely a couple scenes, but it wasn't like where 
I was more, you know, wow, that was cool than, oh, CGI. Yeah. So it wasn't like an overabundance of CGI is what you're saying. No, not at all. That's good because there's just some movies. I'm, I mean, there's so many fucking examples where just CGI just saturates the film. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, Lucas films like those are those are just silly how much CGI there is. But oh, there's God, especially the new three, the the most recent three. But the thing is, is like with the CGI too is like. I want to have my cake and eat it too because it's like I don't want an overabundance of CGI but when there is CGI I don't want it to be shitty because there's only one thing that's worse than tons of CGI is little CGI that's shitty and we've all I don't even know an example but we've all seen those movies where it's just like oh good god TV shows a lot of the times just because their budget isn't huge but some TV shows their CGI is just fucking horrible looking yeah I know exactly what you're saying I can't think of specific examples either but it just makes sense though you know I mean in terms of TV shows it does make sense that their CGI is going to be crappy but when you get that it's like those what is it the sci-fi networks I mean those are intentionally campy and crappy but like Sharknado like (laughs) Sharknado those are those are stuff that like was produced on like Windows 95 or like MS-DOS you know like that's (laughs) that's really and I realized my robot was being produced by Windows 95 yeah it's just Uh, Nathan for you I was gonna say what people aren't gonna understand that reference Bob Nathan for you that's a show that's coming back this summer. If anyone has never seen Nathan for You on Comedy Central, insanely recommended. See it now. It's this guy, probably like a mid-20s Canadian, who he goes around, the premises is, is he goes around small businesses with the intentions of improving them. And he gets these small business owners to sign on. And it's basically... It's kind of done in the same vein as of a Borat, where ultimately he's kind of fucking with the people yeah, that he he's says he's helping. Yeah, he's being very condescending. Yeah, like there, you know, for example, he goes to a yogurt shop and they're not having a lot of business, so he comes up with, with this idea of, all right, let's introduce a flavor that's never been done before, and it, and eventually it turns out that they're going to introduce a, a poo flavor, <laughs> and. He really does it. He goes to an extract factory, so you get to see you know everything that goes along with that. And eventually, there's the launch day. They introduce it, and it's it's ridiculous. But that's coming back on Comedy Central, and I'm looking super forward to that. <laughs> what I love about it is his facial expressions and the way he handles it with like the other people's interactions. Yeah, hilarious. It, yeah, he's, he just comes off as very dry and stiff. But Nathan for you on Comedy Central. Maybe we'll post the link of what the actual uh, posted on the website. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get post, that up you know, what day it debuts. But that show, three thumbs up. That that is really the only show I think I'm looking forward to in the summer. I mean, summer is a dead zone. Oh, Louis coming back in May. I'm I'm really really excited for that. Uh, FX is doing something a little different. Is Louis shot? I want to say Louis either shot twelve or fourteen episodes. And they're debuting them two at a time. So they're going to burn through a lot of episodes in a short amount of time. You know, he took off last year, FX let him, because it's Louis C.K. You let him do 
what he wants to do, how he wants to do it, because you know... Well, that was a stipulation and him even doing it to begin with. Right, I know he he's, you know, certain people call it the Louis contract, where he kind of just gets to do exactly what he gets to do. He doesn't make a lot of money doing those shows, but they hand him, I think, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars $300,000 per episode and just say, here... Right. They don't look at it. They don't give notes. They FX sees it when it comes on the air. So he took off last summer. He's coming back this summer. I think I said like 12 or 14 episodes. FX is burning two at a time. But I'm looking. Louis a genius. I mean, we'll be talking about him in 20, 30 years. People oh, will yeah. be talking about him. And just that show alone, that show, you can't go into it thinking you're going to go see you know, like a slapstick, silly, vulgar comedy. It's a little bit of everything. It's it's going to make you laugh, but he's a filmmaker, too. He does it all. He acts. He directs. He edits. I can't praise that show. I can't praise it enough. Yeah, he's definitely a smart guy, and I, I haven't seen much of it. I've only seen a couple episodes, but the way you've been talking about it, i gotta get back. I got to see them all and then get back into it. Yeah, you can't, you can't go in there. You're not... You're not seeing the Chappelle show. You're not seeing. You're not seeing curb your enthusiasm. It's not. Not a lot of it is laugh out loud funny. It's just. It's just a very well done show, and it's one of those shows that you really kind of have to see it to experience it. It's it, there's a lot of surreal aspects to it, but that's a phenomenal show. I'm looking forward, I guess, to that this summer, and I'm looking forward to Nathan Deep for you. But I think that's about it. I mean, like I said, the summer doesn't have much shows you know like yeah as far as tv shows i can't think of anything that's good that's really people are interest other than nathan for you i can't wait for that yeah people people are out doing things but whenever that show airs i won't be sitting you know i'll watch it I'll, i'll dvr it or get it on a tablet the next day but that's gonna be really exciting yeah so what do you want to do, Bob? You want to wrap it up? Yeah, I say we wrap it up. I'm kind of uh, at a dead point here. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this. This is uh, the trial run. We're going to be trying to do one once a week. Uh, we'd love to hear your suggestions. This is just as new for us as it is for you. And every uh, every week we're going to learn something new, but hopefully we're going to be able to entertain you. If we didn't entertain you tonight... It's, we're 0 for 1. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, you know, I mean, if we entertain you next week, we're 1 for 2. That's 500. We'd be in the Baseball Hall of Fame, right? Oh, yeah. So give us some time. I hope you enjoy it. I'm Matt. I'm Bob. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Let the sun shine.